Hello, hello, it is Cass DaCosta here, and this is the DaCosta Daily GH Review. Today is 12-19-2020, and I just finished Friday's episode. Whoa! Wow, what a week, man. It's been a crazy week. So let's address Julian first. Because this is the big drama of the week, right? Julian runs away from Cyrus and Sonny. He skips town. He winds up in the bus station after he manages to escape, you know, in Port Charles. So he gets himself a ticket to, um, I think he's going to Canada. Right, he gets a bus ticket out of town. He's hurt, because let us not forget, he jumped off the Torrid um, into the river, but he got hurt. And it looks like he got a shot to the abdomen. So he's on the run, he's bleeding, he's half out there. They take Julian through a nice little memory lane, a la uh, Scrooge kind of thing, you know? So he 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 he's thinking about Connie Falconeri, and I love that one they brought the original Connie Falconeri. Okay, GH is on point with this. They brought the original Connie Falconeri, blood all over the dress, back and front. It's beautiful, and then who do we see but Duke Lavery? It took me a minute to realize that this was like, you know, supposed to be happening in Julian's head. You know, he's dying. So this is him in the mid middle zone where you're not dead and you're half alive. <clears throat> so that was a great scene. It was really genius. Great writing. Um, and then, of course, they brought Alexis because he loves her. But he, you know, that episode... Um, when his sister was trying to blackmail him, or she was blackmailing him, and she threatened uh, Alexa's life. So he pulled a gun on her, I mean a knife on her, so that he could shield her from the sniper that was on the roof. But nobody gives a shit about that. They're just mad at him for pulling the knife out. So, you know, he has Alexis telling him to, like, just do it, just die, right? Because she's pissed off, and it ruined her life. It really did. Um, we got to see some Team Milo. Man, Michael's pissed. And I like it. I like it. Michael's really mad. And rightly so. You know, Chase was his best friend. And now they're both in love with the same girl. You know, I feel bad for Sasha. Because Sasha's the one who's going to really, really lose. I guess Chase is going to really, really lose too. Maybe even more than Sasha, because at least Sasha has Brandon floating around in the, you know, in the in the galaxy over there. Like Brandon has been put right smack dab into her universe. And so, you know, when Michael rejects her because he's in love with Willow, um, she won't really, you know, she won't crash and burn that hard. Um, because that's what's going to happen. And kudos to Chad for that scene in the gym, because guess what? He brought the raw. 
He brought the emotion. You know, the, the chicks in the, in the GH group, shame on them. They, they kind of insinuated that it was like the most romantic scene that Michael's had with anybody. I happen to think Michael and Willow have good chemistry. They just haven't had a chance to like relax. You know what I mean? They haven't had a chance to like really ease into their relationship and they were just starting to get there and it was just starting to happen where they could like let the wall down of being proper and being diplomatic and being civil and, you know, being appearing just right. They had finally put that wall, that shield, that character that they had to portray, like down and just became real people, you know, and admitting their feelings and like being more, more intimate with each other. And then, of course, the secret... gets revealed by Chase and Michael's mother, Carly, and it blows everybody out of the water. And that scene was awesome. Awesome. I still don't think they're giving um, Michael and Willow enough airtime. It's, like, ridiculous. They'll They'll have them have, like, two sentences, and then we'll spend the whole show watching something, like, that's totally fucking boring, (laughs) and then we can get back to Willow. Now, granted... I might be having a slight, slightly slanted view because I'm Team Millow. But really, can we get a little more airtime for these people? So anyway, get back on task. Um, yes, the scene was really, really good. Chad really brought Michael's pain right to the surface and Michael's confusion and Michael's just complete, like, you know, mind-blownness that this is even happening. You know, like, can somebody wake me up from this fucking bad dream? And he really, really brought it forward with that. And as well, Chase was very, you know, like, remorseful. I think he could have been a little more remorseful, but, you know, he he's like, I don't think he has a clue how to fix this. And he's just so like, he's like a deer in the headlights with this one. You know, it's like he didn't ever think of the fallout at all. He didn't ever think of the fallout and neither did Sasha. Neither did Sasha. Um, So that that scene was really, really great. I wish they had showed Michael um, then talking to Willow at home after the, the gym scene. That would have been a little like nice of them to add one more scene where Michael has now gone home and he's, you know, he's there with Willow and he's so torn because he has love for Sasha, right? He has love for her and he might even still be somewhat in love with her. The problem is now he's in love with Willow and he lives with Willow and he sees Willow mothering his child. And he loves seeing her in that role. It makes him feel complete. It makes him feel good. It makes him feel safe, finally, in his life. Right? It's it's like a solid thing that Michael's really never had that. I mean, he grew up in the Corinthos household, in the mob. You know, and then he moved in with the Quartermains. He, he has gone to jail. Like, he has been through the ringer. And I think for the first time in Michael's adult life, he feels 
secure and safe with Willow. And in addition to the fact that seeing her mother, his child, really makes him feel really good about her. Like, you know, she's everything he, he's ever wanted in a woman. And I think part of the conflict is that he he thought everything he wanted in a woman was Sasha until it came time to have to save his son from Nell. Only to realize that, you know, his view was kind of like romanticized and glossed over about her. And she had real, you know, hurdles. She had reputa- reputation challenges. <laughs> so he couldn't be with her. He had to be with Willow. So anyway, moving on. So Tracy, thinking she's saving Ned from this secret and Alexis <laughs> and just the whole thing blowing up in his face um, in front of Olivia. But what Tracy's not taking into account is she got to the Metro Corps to interrupt uh, Alexis and Olivia, their little tete-a-tete that they were having. She got there like a minute too late. And Alexis said just enough to poke a little needle into Olivia and make Olivia start wondering what the fuck that meant. And you know, women, girls, ladies, ladies, you know how it is, okay? You know that if somebody drop a little sentence like that in front of you about your man, you're going to, what? You're going to question it and you're going to start digging. At least a smart city girl does. I don't know what you, you suburban chicks do, okay? But in the city, you get your ass on the internet and you start tracking him because no, no, no. You don't tell me something like you should be paying attention to what's going on in your marriage and not throw up a light bulb moment. <laughs> uh-uh. So Olivia is now in suspicion mode. And for a man, this is the worst, worst nightmare. This is your worst nightmare. When a woman goes into suspicious, uh, suspicious mode, right? When her, her radar gets peaked. It's only downhill from there. It's only downhill from there. So Ned's ball is rolling. He's going to, he, his world's going to implode. And honestly, as far as Alexis is concerned, I think that might actually be a good thing for her. So Tracy takes a, uh, a drunk and tired Alexis um, and she insists on driving Tracy uh, Alexis home. So she drives, but, you know, Alexis is kind of out. So, and I think she might have even drugged Alexis. I didn't see it, but she, I think she might have. Because Alexis is literally like, she moved Alexis from the passenger seat to the driver's seat. Who doesn't wake up during that? Like, over the the center console, even. It's not like Alexis is like 5'2", right? She's a tall woman. So that scene is a little bit spectacular, (laughs) to say the least. Like, it has really no base in reality. But anyway, she manages to get Alexis into the driver's seat and um, uh, have the car, like, hit the rail or something. 
And then she gets out. She calls the cops. And who shows up? The only cop in town, Chase. He shows up. And uh, Alexis basically forces this man to arrest her. Uh, thereby blowing a hole in Tracy's plan. Because Tracy never expected that Alexis would give up her driver's license and, you know, wind up getting arrested. Because she refused to do the breathalyzer. So, she does admit to drinking. So, it goes, it goes really left. And Alexis is in a super self-destruct mode right now. Excuse me. So, she, she's like, I don't give a fuck. She's in that place. And this is a dangerous place for a woman, especially a woman in her like late 40s, early 50s. This is when you really don't give a fuck because, you know, you've lived now. You, you've hit the big 5-0 and, you know, all of a sudden your kid wants to talk to you like you're, uh, you know, five years old. And people start calling you ma'am. You know, you know, and it's only a good thing that right now it's trending for young guys to go after older women and cougarism is at an all time high. But otherwise, being 50 is definitely a 50 and up is definitely an I don't give a fuck situation. So Alexis is there and Tracy is just a troublemaker. Honestly, she wants to try to control everybody's life. I'm not sure how I feel about them bringing Tracy back into the landscape. I understand it's to facilitate the Ned Alexa storyline. And of course, she's going to get into Michael's face. I can't wait to see that scene. So, you know, we're going to see how this one plays out. I'm sure there's going to be some drama. There's going to be some shit going on with Tracy for sure. She practically get, you know, she beats Monica over the head for not interfering. And Monica's like, listen, this is Ned's life. This is Ned's life. What do you want us to do here? You know? Weird. Weird. But we're going to have to see how it goes. Uh, I I don't see anywhere else that they could nudge Tracy into the landscape, honestly. Oh, that's not true. Wait a minute. Oh, I just I just thought of something pretty cool. Okay, so Tracy is Laura's best friend. So now we can have Tracy and Laura doing super sleuthy stuff against her newfound brothers. What? Plot freaking twist. That was the end of Friday's episode, but they leaned into it on Wednesday and they've been building this for months. So Laura finds out that Cyrus and sleazy lawyer Martin Gray are none other than her brothers. Yes, I said it. Brothers. What? (sighs) Turns out that their parents, Martin and Cyrus's parents, their mother is in the nursing home where Laura has managed to get herself involved in. And Florence turns out to be the the mother of uh, Martin and Cyrus. And their father turns out to be Laura's father, biologically. So they're all related she came there looking on looking for dirt on Cyrus only to find out, you know, when she runs into Martin in the room who's there because it's his mother's birthday. And Martin had already gone previously to Valentine who he was trying to get back as a client because he offended Valentine when he said that um what the hell's the little girl's name? Charlotte 
that Charlotte would be better off if Lulu died. And Valentine, for once, acted like a normal person instead of a serpent and fired Martin for saying that, you know, because it was like a really asshole thing to say. So anyway, he had gone to Valentine to ask Valentine for forgiveness and to get Valentine to take him back as a lawyer and then when Valentine agreed, he revealed to Valentine that Cyrus was his brother, which was found out by Sonny um, at the end of last week. Sonny and, and um, Diane discovered, after pressuring Martin for information about the bombing, if he knew anything about the bombing and he knew anything about Julian, and they were just on his ass about Julian, he revealed that Cyrus was his brother. And all these things started to click into place. And it was like, okay, well, now this and this and this makes sense. And now that we find out that Laura is their their sister, now a lot of things make sense. Why Cyrus was so insistent that he needed to be in town and there were family in town and he was trying to set roots in town and why he's so obsessed with Laura and why he freaked out when he realized that Lulu was incapacitated from that bombing. Like, the bombing thing really, really was a disaster on all fronts. It was a complete clusterfuck. It was a total, total, total just disaster. So that's what's going on there. So, you know, Valentine is now re-hooked up with Martin. I can't wait to see what's going to happen there. Oh, boy, this is going to be intense. Because I feel like Valentine is still yet but going to wind up going head to head with Jax, you know, and he's going to really consolidate his power um, so that he can go up against Jax because Jax is trying to be with Nina, right? So there's that whole thing. And, and I read somewhere that Nina starts to um, ask more questions about Nell and Carly's story is going to crack. It's going to crack. So, Epiphany goes to Jordan, and she tells Jordan that this whole ruse with Taggart is going to blow up in smoke because now the kids are looking in to see if Taggart is alive, right? Because Cyrus trying to deflect um, the whole bombing drama um, after Julian has given him the nugget that Taggart really is alive. He goes to Trina and he tells Trina that her dad's alive. And that sets Trina, Jocelyn, and Cam on a little investigation off to the hospital where they run into Epiphany. And so Epiphany has, you know, chastised them and she didn't really, really know what they were doing. But after they left, she checked the most recent login into the church, the hospital server, uh, revealing that Elizabeth's computer had been used to look at Taggart's medical reports. So then she goes to Jordan, who immediately goes to Carly to get permission from Sonny to see Taggart. So Jordan gets over there at the uh, Falconary house to see Taggart, only to then eventually run into Trina um, sitting on the memorial bench, um, you know, mourning her father. And so that winds up to be like, Holy smokeroonies, because now Jordan has to deflect while Taggart hides behind the bushes. 
So she does that. And Carly calls Jocelyn right away and summons her to the restaurant. And then she gives Jocelyn the third degree, who then reveals that they got their information from Cyrus. So Trina goes to the hospital because now her mother is calling too because Carly has been like, you need to call your daughter and get her through the thing. Oh, no. Trina's mother goes to, she goes to Ava. And poor Ava has no freaking clue what this woman is talking about. She, she fires into Ava for having too much gallery time with her daughter. Da, 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 da. And Ava's like, what are you talking about? And so Ava manages to reason with her and then explain to her that the kid's not going to pick up. Why don't I try to call? So she, Ava calls and Trina picks up right away. And then, the, you know, Ava says, please go see your mother right away. So Trina goes to the hospital to see the mother and the mother confronts her. Eventually, she reveals that she talked to Cyrus, which sends the mother into like a total like Portia's head spins around, you know, Portia cannot even contain her anger that this man who she really detests, like she really hates Cyrus, you know, she's got to be with Cyrus in the hospital all the time. She really can't stand him. He's constantly second-guessing her. He's constantly, like, kind of browbeating her. He's, he's doing the classic, I'm not talking to you, and I don't care really, you know, like, dismissive stuff. So, Portia just right about loses her mind when Trina tells her this. So, she, she's like, okay, Trina, we're going down to the police station. That's it. So, when they get down to the police station, uh, Portia immediately confronts uh, Jordan, who tries to deflect and neutralize by being her usual non-pulse Jordan cop self. And lo and behold, who's in the interrogation room? Oh, yeah, it's Taggart. It's Taggart getting his ass handed to him by uh, Mac, who's furious that this man faked his own death. So it's, it's really a train wreck. Like, everything's coming apart at the seams. This whole lie is blowing up all over the place. So Jordan, trying to do some damage control, calls her husband, who's in Vermont with Laura, at the nursing home, right? And he's in the, in the hallway waiting for Laura to kind of give them the cue of when it's time to rescue, <laughs> So, you know, Jordan, she's just like trying to gauge how long it'll be before he gets home because she knows this is spinning out of control and she is in going to be in the weeds with him because she's been lying for months. She had a billion times to tell him that Taggart was alive. And she didn't. She told him every other aspect of the plan except that Taggart was alive. And this secret is going to destroy her marriage. So anyway, she calls him and he's like, now nah, I'm here. I've got to wait. Is everything all right? She's like, you know, I, I don't want to tell you over the phone, but it's, it's, you know, it's getting a little lit. And <laughs> so he knows now, like, he better try to get home. So he gets off the phone and he goes to check on Laura. And Laura's like, no, you could, you could go because now Laura has introduced herself to Martin and they've talked and she is realizing that, you know, the secret is big. Uh, so she sends Curtis back to Port Charles, saying that she'll ride home with Martin. 
poor Martin, he's confused. He has no idea what's going on right now. And it's, it's crazy. So then Curtis goes running back to poor Charles. And you know, it's like TV. It, it was literally like five minutes. It's like a five-hour drive from upstate New York to Vermont, right? Um, but he was back in, like, record time. So he gets back, and, of course, now Jordan needs to explain herself. And, you know, meantime, meantime, before he gets back, though, in the meantime, between uh, that, uh, after she's talking to Trina and Portia who's, like, Portia's wanting to press charges and, like, everything just because Cyrus talked to her daughter. And out out comes Taggart from the interrogation room. Shocking both Trina and Portia, and Portia realizing that Jordan knew the whole time. So now she's double furious, right? So they go into the the, um, interrogation room with, uh, with Taggart and... Trina's ecstatic, of course, and Portia's furious that they pulled this ruse on her. And, you know, because they had involved her in part of the plan, just not all of it. So Taggart says his deal and his daughter's so happy, blah, 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 dad, dad, dad. Um, Trina leaves and Portia rips into him and she's like, don't even think you can freaking... Be nice to me right now. I cannot believe the nads on you. Like, I can't believe that you did this and nobody told me anything. You know? So, she's really mad. She leaves. She gets Jordan the eye. Like, I'm not done with you yet, but this is not the time. And her and Trina leave the police station. Then Curtis comes back and Jordan needs to explain herself. That was today's episode. Jordan crash and freaking burn, girl. This woman just had nothing good to say to uh, Curtis. She tried, but he was not here for it. He was just like, this could be, you know, like he put on the, this could be a deal breaker attitude. Yes, this could end their marriage for sure. He is pissed off. And she just is like, I did it for your own good. And he's like, no, you didn't. This wasn't for my own good. You told me everything else except this. You know, like, and he's got a point. She let him in on every other aspect of the plan. So, you know, if I was him, I would be furious too. I'd be real indignant. I'd be real indignant. So they're in the weeds. And that's where they left off on Friday's episode, which was today, right? And so Laura leaves off. Laura Martin and Cyrus leave off at a very emotional state. Cyrus has just revealed the the thing that drove him away from the family and into the drug life or the gang life or whatever, you know, the underworld. And uh, it was a very heartfelt story. Kudos to this actor. I got to find out his name. The man pulled out tears. Like he, you feel his pain about that one incident. That one incident, that five minutes that changed the course of everyone's life. 
everybody's life like you feel his pain that nobody nobody gave him the benefit of the doubt right there and he just wants it to be over already so you see like you now get a chance to see like a human softer side of cyrus because up to now he's really been very glossy and very like you know cold even very controlled right very controlled and that's great acting too like this guy is good and then today he broke cyrus's wall down and opened cyrus up and showed us cyrus's big dark secret and cyrus's big pain and you know like the where the hole in the armor is and it was freaking awesome like the the three of them played this scene sequence so good like so good you see how laura is just like what <laughs> the man i hate the most in the world is my brother like you see it going on her face like this cannot be happening to me you know and martin's just like he's he's in deer in headlights mode he is seriously not even prepared for this he was not prepared for this at all this is like a emotional overload for this lawyer he's just like wow here we are and he's he's deep dark he into the secret too you know so you see now his anger and his character's been very controlled too um, it's hard for me because every time I see this guy, I always think of his character on, I think it was All My Children. He used to play Tad. And I just, you know, but I'm easing into him as Martin. Um, he's really like kind of really cultivated the Martin character so much more. And even though he plays a sleazebag, he really adds a lot to the GH landscape, you know. He has added a nice little level of diversity. And uh, I hope they don't write his character out. I really like him. He's, he's, he's great with Diane. It's awesome. <laughs> um, it's really, it's magic to watch them act together. It's really, really good. Um, so anyway, so Martin is just like, you know, if we're going to, if we're digging, if we're going to dig in, then we're going to dig in, you know. So Martin goes right for the jugular. And every... Every bit of anger and, and angst and just total frustration and, and you know, about his, his brother and his father and his mother and the situation. All of it comes out and he just fucking blasts it like a fireball at Cyrus. <laughs> and just even the way he says, right, sigh, It's like it's so cold and it's so cutting. It's so like I fucking hate you. And you feel it. You feel that brotherly just hatred be they have between each other and how he's just never going to forgive his brother, right? And how much he really loves the mother. And that's the core and the catalyst and the why. And so great scene. Great, great scene. And uh, so who else do we have? Oh, we had this double wedding thing. Now, uh, I like Anna, and I actually really like Finn. Um, them getting roped into a double wedding as um, as dialogue is a little bit frivolous. But 
but I have to, un, you know, I have to take it into account the writing and where all the other stories are right now, you know, because everything else is really heavy duty. You know, all the parents having to give the kids the talking to about the mob life and, you know, cop life and, you know, Julian gotten hurt. He, Julian's got shot. The whole Martin Laura Osiris thing, like, you know. Team Willow and Chase and Sasha. Like, all the other storylines are really serious. So they have to give us one, like, bright and shiny, right? So the bright and shiny storyline right now is focused around Anna and Finn, Maxie and Peter, and this double wedding. I feel like it's going to be a disaster. However, Maxie has pulled off many a good event. That's that was the core of her character for a really long time, you know, was the event coordination and, you know, putting stuff like that together. That's why she's she made it to the creative director. It was like, that's her life. So she really wants this whole thing with Peter to go well because, you know, she's she's fallen deeply in love with Peter and she's pregnant with his baby and, you know, Peter is taking on this whole, like, sweetie pie personality that's not even real. But he's so excited about the fact that he's procreated, <laughs> you know, that uh, he he's just like this doting, gushing, big, giant man. <laughs> and it's like Max is eating it up. So she really wants this double wedding. And she wants Peter to be closer to Anna, you know, like the whole thing. And I like the the dynamic between Peter and Anna now because they worked really hard to get here. It's just going to suck when he finds out she's not really his mother. And that's going to make him go real dark. And I can't wait to see it. <laughs> it's going to be good. But um, I feel bad for Finn because this is going to blow up in his face. And he really loves Anna. But I feel like Anna... The, you know, they keep having Anna and Valentine working together as a team. And that's dangerous territory because and the, they could be working a quad um, because they've spent out. Uh, they've had Anna spend quite a bit of time with Valentine. And that's very tricky because Valentine's first love in his life was Anna. And now that we've, you know, figured out this whole thing with uh, Alex portraying Anna and the memory transfer and shit, it turns out that, you know, Alex is the one who kind of broke his heart. And it wasn't Anna. And, you know, he always had a great affinity for her and he always loved her. And... She has learned to appreciate him in a in an interesting way, right? So I don't know. They there could be like a little quad happening there between Valentine, Nina, um, maybe it's like even a, a a quintuplet. Holy shit! Uh, because you have you have Valentine, Nina, and Jax as a triangle, but then you have Valentine. Anna and Nina, and Nina was always very jealous of Anna and her, his, um, you know, the relationship she has with Valentine. So that could go crazy. And then you have Finn. And Finn, I feel, is, 
you know, he could still hook up with Alexis. It could happen. They don't have a lot of chemistry, but it could happen. I don't know. I, I don't I don't have a lot of faith in Finn and Anna. I don't know why. I think they're really cute, right? And I like them as a couple. But I feel like there's something that, like, her whole spy chick thing and that she wants to run away every time and go run after the story. I feel like that puts an unnecessary spin, um, a strain on their relationship. I think when he finds out how far she's gone to cover up for Peter, that that could totally ruin it. Like, there's so many variables that, like, could totally blow this right out of the water. And then there's the fact that Albrecht is working in the background to completely destroy Peter. Um, so this wedding, this has just got so many red flags around it. It's got bad juju everywhere. Everywhere. But... The kid really wants it, you know, she's so cute, she's so cute, and, you know, they're working in the father, and I think, I think it could be a stretch, but I think they could hook the father up with Alexis, because now he's going to divorce Chase's mom, right? And then Chase's mom and Finn had something. So, you know, like I said, Finn will be all right if him and Chase, if him and Anna break up because he finds out that she lied uh, about covering things up for Peter. She always wants to run out of town. You know, she's working with Valentine or she's running around with Robert. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's actually why they revealed the secret that Finn had something going with Chase's mother. I mean, it's awkward. You used to have sex with your... Your... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Chase is not his brother. Chases his son. Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. That's craziness right there. But it could be. It could actually be happening. It could be happening. But even if it's not, it's still awkward. You had sex with your brother's mother, who is married to your dad, on their wedding night. On their wedding night. And there's a distinct possibility Chase could be his son, not his brother. That would be bugged out. And that devastating news, that little nugget could blow everything, everything, everything to pieces. Devastating the father. Having him wind up in a bar right next to Alexis. <gasps> Guys, that's a perfect storyline. Holy shit, I hope they go there. I hope they do. So, who did I not... We didn't really see Nina this week at all. You know, we had one scene... Yeah, we didn't really see him with her. I don't even think we saw Jax all week either. You know, there was a lot of Sonny and Jason... Um, Chasing Julian. 
Uh, Sam broke up with Jason last week. So this week he was like in super enforcer mode. You know, he has to kill the guy in the bus station to defend himself because the dude's shooting at him. The guy could have just disappeared. He didn't really need to shoot at Jason, but he just decided he was going to do it anyway because Cyrus is greedy and he, he wanted to get two for the price of one, you know. So the guy starts shooting at Jason and obviously Jason gets the upper hand and shoots him. But then he gets arrested and they got to call Diane, who's a freaking genius, by the way. And I just love this woman. I love her hair. I love her wardrobe. I love fucking Diane. She's witty. She's smart. She's powerful. She's ugh. Like, she plays the shark lawyer to the T. To the T. It's amazing. So, um, yeah, that was great scenes. Of course, she gets them off, you know, because she she knows exactly what to say. And Jason is brilliant because the for, what do you do right after you shoot somebody? You call your lawyer. You don't call 911. You call your lawyer. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Unfortunately, cliffhanger for Friday. This is the cliffhanger, the last scene of the show. Ready? Sonny fell off the Diagon Bridge. Yes. He gets the upper hand on Julian after Julian decides he wants to play dead. And then they wrestle and Sonny shoots him in the abdomen. And Julian, he does the great turnaround, you know, drama scene falling down dead. The only problem is he hit that bridge part so heavy And he walked past the caution tape and the cone. And then Sonny decided he was going to walk past the caution tape and the cone and go out on this little ledge with Julian to make sure he was dead. And they both fall when it breaks. And Jason gets there at the last second only to yell Sonny but not be able to catch him. Can you imagine? Now, I didn't read anything about Maurice leaving the show. I didn't read anything about Maurice leaving the show. However, there could be a distinct possibility he wants to go on an extended, you know, vacay or something in real life. You know, the man's been on the show for, like, literally 30 years or something, 25 years, a really long time. And I wouldn't blame him one bit if he needed a little bit of a sabbatical. So we'll see where they go with it. That that could be interesting, Sonny presumed dead for a little while, because guess what's going to happen? You ready, ready, ready? Jax is going to spend all his time consoling Carly. And you want to know who else is going to start consoling Carly? Ready, ready, ready. Jason. Oh, yeah. Her best friend, Jason, who she loves, who she runs to first over her husband every single time. Now, her and Jason had a physical relationship way, 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 way back when. Way back when, before she ever started with Sunny. And they've always had a very close, close, almost abnormal closeness as best friends. 
Now, Sam just kicked Jason right to the curb, and Carly is a career mob wife. Let's see what happens. Let's see if the consoling doesn't go to the next level, because guess what? I think the fans are a little bit bored with Sam and Jason, and that's why the powers that be at GH decided to break them up. I think the fans are like, okay, we're done with this couple. And if I'm going to be honest, I was a little bit done with it. There's just no spark anymore between them. Like, I wasn't feeling it. I felt more spark between her and Brando than her and Jason lately. At least, you know, she's got some kind of fire in her ass when she's dealing with, with uh, you know, Brando. When she's dealing with Jason, she's just a crying, whiny mess. And so it's like, eh, I'm over it. So I'm glad they decided to, like, take the storyline in a different direction. And Carly and Sonny are kind of the same. They're a little boring. It's like, yeah, right, whatever, you're married. And it's sad that we we fans are like that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's drama. That's what we want. We want some drama. (laughs) And her and Sunny are all, they're okay. They're kind of like on autopilot. We all know how much Sunny hates Jax and how much he hates Carly's relationship with Jax. But he can't say much because Jax is Jocelyn's father and he has to be there, right? So he bites his tongue for the most part and he plays nice mostly. But he always gets his digs in and it is what it is. But Sonny presumed missing and or dead is going to draw two men into her life closer than they ever were. And that's going to be Jax, who's going to leave Nina hanging out to dry to be consoled by Valentine, And it's going to bring Jason right to her side. And that's going to infuriate Sam. But she's not going to be able to say anything because she gave Jason his walking papers. Now, do I think that Carly would intentionally cheat on Sonny with Jason or that Jason would even entertain that? No. Jason would shut that down immediately. Because at the end of the day, Jason's most, utmost loyalty is to Sonny. However, they're going to have a moment that's going to change things. They're going to have a moment. They're not going to kiss. It's not going to happen. But there's going to be an awkward moment. That moment when you think about kissing. That moment when you want to kiss. But you don't. Because it wouldn't be right. That moment sparks something. And if the love that they feel for each other as friends is even even slightly close in depth to what a couple would have, you know, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time, especially if Sonny is presumed dead. And if he's presumed dead for a long period of time, totally could happen. Totally. And I tell you what, 
She would feel conflicted. I think Jason would obviously feel conflicted. But I just feel like that chemistry is there between them. But then, you know, Jason's scenes with Britt have been very, very good. You can feel the little tete-a-tete between them. You know what I mean? Like the little game. You can feel it. And I think definitely, definitely something could happen there. Because Carly also loved Jax a lot. A lot. I mean, she cheated on Sonny with Jax. Right? She has cheated on Sonny with Jax. So, to do it again, I think she would do it again. And I, I know that Jax always loved her. And he was very, very sad when their marriage ended. And he hasn't gotten with anybody since, actually. Like, not heavy duty. Right? So... Sunny falling off the bridge sparks a bunch of different avenues. A bunch of different avenues. Michael would be devastated. Him and Dante would get very, very, very close at that point because Dante would, you know, be the person he'd go to for advice. I think Dante. Dante is at a place now where he'll never be a cop again, for sure. And I could see Dante stepping into the Corinthos business and using Sonny's resources to annihilate Peter. Yeah. And or using Sonny's resources to go after Cyrus. Because now Cyrus is responsible for Lulu being in this coma, right? Cyrus is responsible for that. And Dante, I don't think, is going to be, like, willing to let that go. Not when he finds out. And with Sonny missing, he'll team up with Jason. And they'll go after Cyrus. And that would be some good TV. That would be some good, good TV to have Dante jump into the mix with Scorpio and or, or Mac, right? Dante and Mac and Jason and Jordan working together to take down Cyrus. And uh, and then, you know, Dante's also secretly going after Peter. So it's a win-win for everybody. Like, what a perfect cover for to not get found out by Peter is to be the security for Peter, but, you know, having everybody think that he's on this crusade to do Cyrus, get Cyrus. It would be genius. Genius. The whole thing is just going to be so good. And now that Cyrus has gone and lied right to his brother's face and right to Laura's face about his part in the bombing, saying he's innocent and it's all Julian. Now Julian can't dispute that because Julian's dead, right? But 
he's going to he's going to try as hard as he can to skate on this lie because he does not want them to find out that he was responsible for Lulu. He was really frantic even um over the fact that she she got hurt. So I liked this vulnerable Cyrus, but we won't see it for very long. Eventually, he'll zip up his veneer and he'll go back to being, you know, completely cold because that's all he knows. That's his survival mode and he's sticking to it, you know. So, yeah, I don't think I, I forgot anybody else. You know what I who I'd like to see is Harmony. I'd like to see Harmony freaking come to Willow's side like a real mother and or admit she's adopted so we can it finally discover that she's Nina's daughter and move forward. Like what the hell happened to this bitch? She was around all the time and then boom, she's gone. So, yeah, I'd like to see Harmony I'd like to see, actually, Robert and Olivia hook up. Put Ned with um, Alexis, because poor Alexis is spinning out of control at this point. Ned's going to have to go and bail her out of jail. Olivia's going to be like, why are you bailing this chick out of jail? Like, what What are you doing? And then he'll, he'll give her, like, oh, me and Alexis have been friends for a long, long time. I can't just let her go down. Like, let us not forget that Ned is a corporate lawyer. Um, so he's going to bail her out and all of that. And, you know, it's going to just get him closer to the secret, finding out and everybody finding out and his life going into a tailspin. And who is Livia going to lean on? Robert, of course. She's going to lean on Robert. And I am here for it because the man needs a damn girlfriend. If we're going to keep him on the landscape, and I think you should. Um, let's give him a girlfriend. Damn. Poor thing out there all by himself all the time. I can't imagine what we're going to do with Dante because, you know, he's going to go into, like, I can't have any other woman but Lulu mode and, you know, homegirl quit the show. So I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know where that's going to go at all. So I think I've covered everybody... Yeah, I think I've covered everybody. So, I like where it's going. We have some good suspense happening. I hope they don't get too cheesy with Christmas. Because, like, it sucks already. And it's not even here yet. And it sucks already. Like, 2020 Christmas. Oh, my God. I've talked for almost an hour. Holy smokes, guys. Well, thanks for sticking with me. <laughs> There's so much to to to... There's so much to analyze, and that's the problem. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great night, great day, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. I hope you're having fun listening to me dissect and dismantle the GH show. I love this show, and I grew up on it, and it really is one of my favorite shows. I know it's fantastical. I know it's just a soap opera. I know all of that in logic, but I still think it's great it's a little slice of americana it's god all we have left you know it's like i i i 
I hearken back to younger days, to old days, when life was simple, when people played on the block, you know, when kids were out in the street laughing and playing and getting along with each other and everybody came from different backgrounds. Like on my block, there was Irish kids and Italian kids and, you know, Puerto Rican kids and, you know, Greek kids. Okay, there were no black kids. I'm not going to lie. There were no black kids. There were no black kids on the block in the 70s and the 80s in Bay Ridge. There weren't. And that was not my world. And that actually is a problem. And that's where our problem is. But I'm not going to get political on this. This is a GH show, and I just love the fantasy. It's a great escape, it's a great show. You know what? General Hospital is doing a great job of helping us get our fantasy in while giving us just a tingy bit of reality as well. And they're doing it very nicely. The sets are awesome. The writing is good. You really stay in current and you you rehash some old storylines, but in great new ways. So I'm going to give it up to General Hospital and ABC. General Hospital and ABC, they're doing it. So that's that. That's all I've got today. This is Cass. This has been DeCosta Daily. GH Review for the week. I love you. Peace out. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas.